We exist to see God glorified and churches multiplied by declaring and displaying the gospel. Verses 1 through 18. Again, that's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Good morning. It's good to see you all. Merry Christmas to you. Day after Christmas, you look, um, and you look uh, more well-fed more well-dressed and um, less rested than you did last time I saw you all. Uh, I hope that your holiday was good and was um, enjoyable for you and family as you gathered together. Um, For those of you that um, the the holiday season brings up um, heartache or hurt or loss, um, know that um, that we've prayed comfort for you as well throughout this season. Um, I'm glad to see you all here today and, um, and together with you. We're going to get into this text in a moment after I give us a couple announcements. When we do get into this text, uh, I just want to be upfront with you very, at, the, at the very beginning of this. Like, there is a lot of beautiful pieces in this text that we're not going to deal with today. Right? There are beautiful aspects of this in depth that we could spend time really diving into over a course of an hour-long sermon to just see all the riches of it. And we're just going to really kind of narrow down to one simple truth from this text that we're just going to try to take a short piece of that home with us today um, and be encouraged as we end one year and move into the next year. A couple announcements for you before we do that. Um, Next Sunday, uh, we will conclude our journey through Ecclesiastes. And so if you were been with us through Ecclesiastes, you're like, wait, we didn't finish. Um, We're finishing next week. We took a break so that Pastor Ronnie could preach his farewell sermon a few weeks ago. And so we'll conclude that next Sunday, which happens to be Emmaus' seventh birthday as well. And, and the first Sunday of the year. And so we're going to celebrate a new year. We're going to celebrate um, seven years of God's faithfulness to us. And we're going to do that by looking at the beautiful um, last chapter of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. So read it before you join us next week, and we'll dive into that then. Then we're going to begin um, the following week, the book of Acts. And we're going to spend the better part of 2022 in the book of Acts. And so we're really looking forward to that as well. Um, Also, um, on January uh, 3rd, Covenant members, 
which is just coming up shortly. Uh, on January 3rd is the deadline, the deadline to block out dates for the next quarter of serving. And so just make sure that you go to Planning Center, put in there the weeks that you're unable to serve. And, and let me just do this for you as, as just a plea. Like one, it's a thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for your faithfulness in that. It's a plea to if you've um, not began to re-engage in serving, we'd invite you to do so. There's a lot of places that we could help you get involved to really bless the, the people of God here at Emmaus, uh, and then make sure that you block out so that we can schedule you well for your life and for um, others as well to work around that. And then the third announcement is this, the Emmaus Institute cohort. So in 2022, we're starting the Emmaus Institute, which is going to be a series of classes, seminars, um, different forms of discipleship that we're doing here. And a piece of that is a cohort. It's a nine-month-long cohort that's going to be going through um, six books as, uh, and, and reading those and working through those together, six to eight people going through that together, as well as um, going through uh, Bible, theology, and spiritual habits. And so kind of spending nine months in 2022 journeying through that. Uh, if you're interested in something like that, kind of a, a discipleship on, on steroids piece, if you will, and you're interested in taking steps into that, the application for that is live on our website today. It will be on our social media tomorrow as well. And so we'd encourage you to apply for that, um, EmmausKC.com. And uh, under ministries, you'll find the Emmaus Institute and you can apply for that. So we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, and then if you're a guest and you um, would love to connect with us some way, you can do that at our connect table in the lobby, or uh, you can go to EmmausKC.com forward slash connect. We've got a digital connect card there, and we'd love to touch base with you. Thanks for being with us today. And let me pray for us, and then we will look at this passage. Jesus, we thank you for your grace to bring us to this place today through another year. Father, a year that has been full of heartache, and uncertainty, and trials, and difficulties, decisions that, um, that were heavy upon us, life circumstances that have cost us, sin that has devoured us, wounds that have hurt us, and through it all, you have remained faithful. And so I pray that you would cause us, as this year comes to an end, to look to look upon your face and to see your faithful steadfastness to us. And I pray that as we move into a new year, that we would grow ever more eager to wait on you. Father, that we would look to you and that we would um, gaze upon your face and that we would put our minds and our, our eyes into your word and that we would sit into your presence in prayer and in fasting and that we would wait for you. you would reveal yourself to us through your word and through your people and that we would be able to hear from you and our faith would be strengthened in you so that we may continue to suffer well and to endure well and to push forward for the sake of the gospel well. Speak to us through your word today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. When I was a kid, we grew up going to my grandparents for Christmas every year. Um, up until last year, I don't remember ever having a Christmas Eve or Christmas Day in my own house. I would always be traveling for the holidays. And, and one year, it was Thanksgiving time. My, my grandparents had this small three-bedroom, one-bath house out on about 30 acres south of St. Louis that my grandpa had built by hand one room at a time as they had the money to build that room. And, and so it was this, this house, and there's this middle bedroom. You could enter it from two different directions. And in that middle bedroom at Thanksgiving time, we go in, and 
in the corner are all of our presents. I don't know what my grandma was thinking that year, but she just stacked them all in the corner of that room. And so my cousin Matt and I, being seven or eight years old, decided to look through and find our present, found the ones with our name on it. We decided to shake it, couldn't tell what it was, decided to listen to it, decided to smell it, we trying to figure it out. And so finally, we're just like, you know what, I think we could unwrap this and look. And so we pull the tape, we unwrap the present, we look in it, we see what we get. I don't even remember what it was at this point, but we see what it is, and then we're like, we can, let's wrap it back up. And so then we proceed to wrap this present that seven and eight-year-olds had unwrapped, which parents, you know how that goes. And we proceed to use the same tape and the same paper to rewrap it, put it back in the stack of presents buried under other presents so that no one will know. So a month goes by. It's Christmas Eve. It's the gathering of our family at Grandma and Grandpa's house. We eat our dinner that always would exile us kids to the utility room where it was freezing cold, no heat and air out in the utility room. We'd be sitting out there in the freezing cold eating while all the adults enjoyed a true feast. And then they'd bring us all back in. We'd get under the tree. I had my spot I would sit in every single year on this little turtle footstool that I have in my office at home now. And I'd sit on that turtle footstool and would wait for the presents to come out. Grandma would get under the tree. I have pictures in my mind of, of my old grandma, like, crawling hands and knees under the tree, digging out presents to pass out. And they'd hand them out. Well, this year, something different happened. This year, when the party started, Grandpa reads the Christmas stories he does every year. He thanks the Lord that all the grandkids have trusted in Jesus. And then it's time for presents. And Grandma gets out two presents, one for Matt and one for Josh. She brings the two presents to Matt and Josh and hands them to us and goes, this year we want to celebrate in a special way. We want Matt and Josh to be able to open their presents first. Matt and I look at each other like this is the best year we've ever had in our lives. And here are our presents that have been retaped up by us. We think no one knows. So we begin to open. We have it on the old camcorder. You remember, like, the big, not the small ones, the big ones, right? The big handy cam things. I have a VHS video somewhere in my house that I have no idea how to watch now, but it's there to watch someday. We're opening the presents, and we open them up. There's a box. We open up the box, and there's a note. The note in the box says, for little boys who peep. And all it was was an empty box with a note. And Matt and I are freaking out. Like our sins have found us, right? Suddenly scripture, when it says your sins will find you out, we're like, it's true. It's true. They found us. And we're sitting there beginning to be a little bit worried because they're letting it play out. Right? Like, is this all we get? Is this really what happened? Like, I thought we'd at least get coal, but we just got a note. Later, they brought out our presents and let us have what we had already opened up. It sunk into my mind. I remember it to this, this day. It's really hard to wait. It's really hard to wait, especially, and especially when you're a child. Right? The anticipation of what's coming is really hard to get through. No matter how much you want it to drag out on Christmas morning, you're like, let's make this last. I mean, in my family, it's one present at a time as we work around and try to make it last for the morning. There's still this desire of, hey, I want it to last, but I also want it all right now. Let's get to this. It's hard to wait. And it's really hard when the waiting ends up bringing an empty box. That, that's for some of us, there's been waiting in our lives. We've waited 
and we've waited and we've waited. And then we got to get what we thought we were going to get, but when we got it, it was actually a lot emptier than we thought it was going to be. For generation after generation after generation, the people of God waited. They waited. They waited for a Messiah who was going to come. They were told he was going to come, and they waited. Generation after generation, people would be born, and they would go throughout life waiting every day, and then they would die, having never gotten to receive the present. At times, perhaps they thought they had found the present. Some figure would rise up. Some Messiah, they would think, was on the scene, only to be an empty box over and over again. And in this passage here, at the end of the Christmas story, right, here in Luke 2, our, or perhaps our favorite passage to read the Christmas story from, at the end of this Christmas story, we have Jesus being brought to the temple and be presented to the temple after his purification. He's approximately 40 days old at this point. And in the story, we find two people who are waiting, two people who have been looking for the Savior every day, for many days, over many months, spanning many years. Let's look at the two people. First, we have Simeon. Verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Said. Now, Simeon, it tells us, is this devout man. He's been devout to the Lord and to his law. He's righteous. He's kept the law of God throughout his life. He's obeyed and he's trusted God and he's pursued God. And he's been waiting faithfully for the consolation of Israel, right? The comfort, the word consolation, the comfort from one in the time of grief and loss. He's waiting for the comfort of God to come to him, to come to God's people. And he's waiting day after day. For thousands of years, the people of God have waited this way. They've waited in the face of loss for comfort. They've had the loss of of death, and they've had the loss of slavery. God's people have had the loss of beatings and journeys in the desert. They've had the loss of kings and of judges, the the, the loss of um, freedom and sieges and exiles and captivity. They've had the loss of family and the loss of friends and even the loss of God's presence when the temple fell. For many years, Simeon has faced his own personal loss. We don't know a lot about Simeon's story, but he's an older man living in a broken world. We know his life was full of loss like ours. Day after day, though, this man walked to the temple. He would wake wondering if today's the day that the Savior comes. And he would go to the temple to wait and to watch. And then he would walk home in sadness and disappointment that that day was not the day the Savior had come. 
year after year and day after day. Seeing family and friends come and go without seeing the Savior. Perhaps he's had hurts and wounds and betrayals and misunderstandings. Perhaps he's been disappointed in God and wondering when or even if God is actually going to come through with his promise. And then the text tells us that the Holy Spirit was upon him. That this man actually walked with the Holy Spirit of God. And that particularly here, the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die without seeing the Messiah. So in some form or fashion, the Holy Spirit of God, our triune God, has made it clear to Simeon, you won't die until you see my Savior. You won't die until you see that. I wonder how many people he told that day. And I wonder how many of those people thought him crazy. I wonder if there were days he even thought himself crazy. How many nights did he go to bed confused and doubtful that he hadn't seen the Messiah? And how many mornings did he wake up with fresh hope that he would? And we know that he was old, many years advanced. We even get a glimpse into his understanding of this in verse 29 when he says, Lord, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Apparently he's of age, he's nearing death, and as he's getting closer to death, he's like, you promised I would see the Messiah. I don't know how many more days I have. When is this going to happen? And then he sees the Messiah, and he says, you can let me go. I can die in peace. And then we have Anna, verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineal, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then a widow until she was 84. She, had, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer, night, um, and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. There's a lot of beautiful pieces here to Anna. We know very little about her. But she comes from a nobody family, a nobody tribe, and she was a widow, and she was a prophetess. She spent every day at this temple looking for God's Messiah, devoting her life to fasting and to prayer and to waiting. She was very old, perhaps 84, perhaps 105. It depends on how you interpret the text. Given the normal age of marriage for a young lady at the time being 14, seven years of marriage, it says, to her husband, puts her at 21 when she became a widow. And then depending on how you interpret the text, she had either lived from 21 until 84 as a widow, and she's 84 now, or she had lived from 21, 84 more years as a widow, and she's 105 now. Either way, spring has left her step. She's an old woman who's been a widow for almost her entire life, who came from nothing and had nothing to offer 
prayer and fasting and waiting. So here we are, we have two very old children of God's who have waited and watched and prayed for the coming Messiah their entire lives, waking and sleeping every day in wait. Two people who span the breadth of the old covenant and the new. Two people who had lived for years under the old covenant, seeking to be devout to the law of God, and two people who are now about to experience the coming of the new covenant and the grace that was to come with it. Two very old faithful saints waiting. Now, the text tells us that Jesus was brought to the temple, approximately 40 days old when he comes. And when he arrives, Simeon sees him. And he comes to him. Simeon's waiting. And if you remember, the text told us on his way to the temple that day, the Holy Spirit was upon him. He always walked with the Spirit, but on this day, apparently there's a special type of Holy Spirit presence with him that has driven him to the temple, that perhaps has guided his steps and his eyes for what he is about to encounter. And Simeon's waiting. He's like, I wonder if he knew something was different that day. I wonder if he woke and he knew the Spirit was with him in a special way that day. If he knew today is day. And I wonder if he just thought it's a day like any other day. Go wait. But we find him in the temple waiting when Jesus is brought. Verse 27. He came in spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother, Jesus' father and mother, marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Think with me about Simeon's experience that day. For a lifetime he studied the God's, God's law and watched for his Messiah day and night, but this day the Holy Spirit is about to reveal to him the Messiah. Here he is in the temple watching. And then his eyes look up that day. And they see this mother and this father walking in the gate of the temple. And in their hands is a child. And somehow his eyes can't leave this child. He can't look away. He doesn't want to lose him in the crowd. And so with his eyes still gazed on this child, I picture him beginning to stumble his way to him to push his way through the crowd. Perhaps he even tripped, not seeing the step in front of him, fell to the ground, got back up, his eyes never leaving the child. He gets to him. And he sees this child in the mother's arms. And, and I, I just wonder if his eyes caught Mary's for just a moment. As if just to ask, may I? May I? And then Mary hands him to Simeon. Savior, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. In the arms of the man who had waited for him all his days. 
picture him turning Jesus and looking into his face. I just wonder if Jesus' eyes locked into his. Simeon's soul felt revealed in that moment. I wonder what the expression on his face was. What delight overwhelmed him. What fear, perhaps, as his hands are trembling, realizing what he is holding, who he is holding in his mind. And he begins to prophesy. He says, first, I can die in peace. Take me. I mean, can can you imagine being so thankful at seeing Jesus that you're okay if you died today? You've seen Jesus. You don't need anything else. You don't need tomorrow, and you don't need next year, and you don't need that next promotion, and you don't need more time with your family, and you don't need more time with anything else that you're pursuing. You don't even need to say goodbyes. I've seen the Savior. Whatever else happens, take me. My heart's at peace. His eyes had seen the consolation, the comfort of hurting people, of himself. He had peace. This week, I made a list, and then I sent it to our elders, and they added to it. And this list was of you, members in our church, who we believe the holidays would be a special difficulty for you. There would be a burden for you, something that you had to carry, some sadness, some loss. The list was longer than I thought it would be in one hour. In our body, there are those who have lost fathers and mothers this year, who have lost children this year, who have had miscarriages this year, who have had separated marriages this year, who have had great sickness this year and loss of hope this year in many ways. Simeon held in his hands prayed for you for days this week, that God would bring comfort to you this year. Little did I know that over our Christmas break, I would need that comfort deeply. I'm not at liberty to share, but there were hard things in my family this week. I pictured the comfort of Israel looking at the whole offering, his consolation, his care. And I'm so impatient to wait for that. And here Simeon held that comfort, that consolation. And he begins to prophesy. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He knew that Jesus had come to save him from his sins. The salvation is here. No more sacrifices needed. No more fear of being naughty or nice. Just grace upon grace from the child that is in his arms. He says, you prepared him, God. Right? You planned this day. You planned this child. You orchestrated this whole thing. Not a detail has gone by without your attention. You even told me I would see him. You've fulfilled it all. You set out this plan. This was your plan of salvation. He says, he is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. 
and for glory to your people Israel. He's aware that this child in his arms, church, is the prepared way for both Jews and Gentiles. Meaning that there is no longer a type of person, a group of people, a section of people that are cut off from God. All peoples are able to come to salvation because of this child, Emmanuel, in the arms of Simeon. This child was appointed, he says, for the fall and the rising of many. That some will look upon this child and they will be lifted to faith and salvation. And others will look upon him and they will reject him and they will fall from the door of salvation. Or as Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You believe in Jesus and receive life or you don't. While this is happening, Anna comes up. Old Anna, 85, 105. She comes up and she sees Simeon and she sees the child and her heart is overwhelmed with the redemption of Israel. And she begins to tell everybody. Have you ever just seen an 85-year-old woman excited about something and the way she talks about it? She's going from person to person in the temple, grabbing their attention, telling them. And I wonder how many of those young people in that temple thought she was just a crazy old lady. Because she is excited about the redemption that she sees. Two people who waited. Two people who waited a lifetime, who waited through hurts and pains and losses and joys and hopes. Two people who kept looking for their Savior, who prayed daily, who begged God to let them see the Savior. Two people who were daily in the temple devoting themselves to fasting and to prayer and to the presence of God. Two people who were likely thought of as a little extreme, a little crazy, a little over the top. Two people who now were witnessing the consolation, the redemption, the salvation of Israel. Simeon and Anna, two old-timers, worn out, ragged from life, no significant upbringing, sufferers and grievers, waiters. And on that day, their lives were transformed. On that day, Simeon could die in peace, and on that day, Anna could not stop talking. And the difference that day was Jesus. It's Jesus. They got a peek at Jesus. They beheld him, and it changed them. But church, today is December 26th. I know some of you still have celebrating to go to, family to go to, parties to have, and presents to open, but Christmas is actually officially over. If you had an advent calendar today, it's going to have 365 boxes of chocolate in it. It's, it's a long wait until next Christmas. Christmas is over because the Messiah has come. And we've been waiting. We have the little advent calendar on our thing where you move the wreath from number to number, and every day our son would go up and he'd move it in the morning, getting a little more excited about the coming of the light. And then this morning we went to it, and it was like, huh, 
nowhere to move the reef. He says, like, we'll start over, and he put it back at number one. I'm like, oh, no, we're not doing this again. We have no more money for presents. We're all done with Advent for 365 days. But the beauty of Christmas being over is that it's over because we've already found the Messiah. We don't have to wait for him anymore. The waiting is done. He has come. We simply must look to that babe in the manger who grew up to be that man on the cross, who became that corpse in the grave, only to breathe life again and walk out so that you and I might receive comfort and salvation and redemption. He has come, and he's ours to be had if we'd simply look to Jesus. So my question for you at the end of this year is, do you see him? He's already come. Do you see him? But the story isn't done. It's kind of like one of those movies where the movie ends, the credits start to roll, and if you just sit in your chair long enough, there's another scene. Right? And that, that scene comes, and it probably leaves you with something of excitement and worry. Right? You're like, oh, no, what's going to happen next? But you're leaving going, well, we're coming back next year because they're making a sequel. I know that's happening. But behind the credits, the extra piece is this. The Messiah has come, but he's also going to come again. The story is not over. And so though we no longer must wait for the coming of the Messiah, we now wait for the next coming of the Messiah. We wait again as his people, but this time with the hope that we've seen him. He has kept his promise that he was coming, and now we wait with assurance that he will come again. And we wait through the suffering, and we wait through the heartache, and we wait through the lost hopes, and we wait through the pain, and we wait through the joyous days and the celebrations, and we wait through the dark nights and the bright days, and we wait for him to come again. Because when he comes again, church, he will bring the completion of his consolation. And when he comes again, he will bring the crown of his redemption. And when he comes again, he will bring the fulfillment of his salvation. When he comes again, he is coming for a grand, grand celebration. So church, I ask us to learn from Simeon and Anna. To learn from Simeon to wait in expectation and devotion day after day after day. Until the day the Lord takes you home or the day he returns to you. And learn from Anna, who could not keep quiet who had to tell everyone, tell the weary that salvation has come, tell the sinner that redemption is here, tell the hurting that consolation is for them. We tell and we wait. I pray that we wait well in 2022. Let's wait with devotion and with righteousness, with fasting and with praying, with the spirit and in the presence of God. Let's wait well, church. While you wait, continue to peek. Open up the scriptures. Peek into them. The front bedroom of the scriptures, the back bedroom of the scriptures, the middle bedroom of the scriptures. Peek at them. Take them in. Behold them. Open every present that this book has to offer for you. I promise you, as we do, as we wait for Jesus with longing and with watching and with looking, there will be no empty box be no empty box at the end of it. The gift is yours. Look to him in faith. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you.
for your word. Teach us an impatient people, an anxious people, a worrisome people, a longing people to wait with patience for you. Father, as we go throughout the next 365 days, may we look to the Savior who has come. May we watch with expectation for the Savior who is coming. Strengthen our faith. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Church, every week we conclude with communion, and we'll do that again today. In a moment, I'll invite you to come take. When you do, you'll stand, you'll exit to your right, you'll come down, receive hand sanitizer, bread, and juice. We'll go back to your seat to take it, and we'll conclude with one song. If you're a believer in Jesus, the invitation is yours to come do this. If you've placed your faith in him and trust in him, please come take with us. And if you're not, our invitation to you today is to take Jesus. Stay in your seat. Don't come take this. But after the service, we'd love to talk to you about what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's the greatest gift you'll get this Christmas season. So we invite you to come and unwrap it and take it. It's yours. Church, I love you. It's a joy to pastor you. I look forward to the next year that we'll have together. Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. Come and take it. Thank you for listening to audio from Amaze KC, located in Kansas City. For more information about Amaze KC, please visit us online at www.amazekc.com.